0: Sonny, coming off of a great honor, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, just honored by the university. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. How are you? Doing very well. So uh, I want to go into the honor, and and obviously it's something that I wanted to be there for. The irony of this weekend, Marywood University asked me to do their first ever media day at the same time you're up at your university at Syracuse doing your thing. So two honors in the same weekend, a pretty beautiful thing. I had to pass. Binghamton, and kind of wave to wave to your family on the way there. But how was the event at Syracuse, and what can you tell us about it?
1: Uh, it was it was excellent. Um, it's it's a great honor, and uh, attendance they said was one of the largest. It was I think 300 people. They invited some of the student athletes too, which was kind of cool. The one that I had gone to for Raphael a couple years ago students weren't really in attendance or student athletes weren't really in attendance. So they're trying to, I think, bring a little bit of a mix of the uh, new and old, let's say, me being old and them being new. Uh, so just just that component, I thought, was a little different. They put together a little kind of synopsis uh, photo or video of your career and then some of the things that they're recognizing you for. And It's, it's more an accomplishment almost for what you've done off of the competitive fields than what you've done on the competitive playing fields which I didn't really understand at the time because when I went to watch my teammate Raphael Addison get his, Raph was one of the greatest players that I played with and Sue Ludwig got it from the female side and she was one of the best female players I'd seen play so I you know, never thought I was even in that conversation but I didn't really fully understand what the award was all about so Uh, But getting back to what the event was, the event was was pretty neat. The chancellors there, the athletic department, some of the uh, people that are on the boards there, and and the other honorees, just tremendous. I mean, that was pretty cool, just to be around those guys, the Gronkowski family. I mean, being around Gordy, I know of him. I have close friends that are friends of his i didn't know him personally you got to know him really pretty quickly he's just a very affable guy and then he's got five sons and everybody knows rob and and he's got four other pro athlete sons and they're just they're a they're a ball of energy man they're like watching uh you know flying trapeze family i, I mean mm-hmm. flying woman just it, it's fascinating and, and, and to rob's credit i mean he smile and and people him. you just just wouldn't leave him alone the poor guy he's just there to kind of enjoy his father's award and he couldn't have been nicer and more cordial and uh, of course i had to tell him i had to put a little plug in there that buffalo bills could use him if he wanted to come back because he looks like he's in great playing shape huh. but uh he didn't go for the offer. But anyway, uh, it was a it was a neat event. And then Carrie Potts, the volleyball player who has done remarkable things at ESPN, 30 for 30, what she's done in her world. Um, she is an advocate for women and, and domestic or, or, or sexual violence, and especially overseas, international violence. So if you're an American and you get a, accosted overseas, There is an organization that she's the president of that actually is there to help those victims. And just just what an inspiration. I could could listen to her talk all night, as long as they don't have to hear me. She was great. And then the Edson family, in in honor of Rob, who had passed away. and I never put two and two together. I had always coached against Sue at a lot of AAU tournaments, and I never put those two. I didn't know her last name was that time. I just knew it was Cornelius. So I never made the connection, and then to watch her daughter and son go up there on behalf of their father was just amazing. Just what poison two young people that were able to face, you know, the you know the, the crowd, so to speak, and handle it. And then Brad Cott's just a tremendous lacrosse player, and he graduated the same year as me, and and all the things that he's done since school, and yeah, it was it was pretty neat, and and it was also nice because we're. Bar and Carrie. you know, Carey was young, but like uh, Gronk, myself, and Brad, we were in the 80s. So we had a lot of common friends, either lacrosse, the because of lacrosse, football, and basketball. We were all in Manly Fieldhouse. Yeah. We had the same trainers. We had the tra- same weight coaches. Uh, you know, so many people in common. And, you know, Mark Eady and John Lally, and these guys were there for Gord. And Eddie Coban a high school friend of mine, teammate of mine, and he roomed with Gord. So it, it, just, it just was such a common bond across these different sports. It was really cool. It was cool to be part of and cool to see
0: it. Yeah, you know, and, and for you to be a part of that, you know, and like you said, to, to be included in that, and I know you've always been very humble with everything, but you know, a letter winner of, of distinction. How how do you define that in your life, being a letter winner of of distinction? What is, what does it mean to you? Maybe how you connect it to what you've done, because as you said, you never thought you'd have that honor. So just, just what you could take away from that name, and, and maybe what it means to you.
1: Well, to me, uh, it's just it, it just blew me away. I mean, like I did not feel that that's something that I'm in that, uh, in, that in that arena. But I guess with the way the the award is viewed as, like I said, it's more it's more so your your life in totality, what you've done after college and what you've taken your education and what you've done with it. So I think the things they recognize me for the things that I've done, both in my dental practice and the people that great people I work with, some of the, the events and the things like doctors with a heart day where we treat people who can't afford dentistry for free. And we've done over a $1.2 million worth of free work over 25 years to coaching basketball, to starting an AAU girls basketball foundation in, in, in Broome County area for 20 years, coaching varsity for 10. And, and and I just think those, those were the things that they, they deemed were, were of value and worthy uh, to, to receive that kind of recognition. I always look at it like I just do what you should do. I, I never really look at it as anything that I'm special. I work with great people. I have a lot of people that share the same vision and it's just synergistic when you you surround yourself and you have those kind of people like you know I had great high school teams I coached it wasn't cuz I was a great coach cuz I had great players you know so you know my high school coach said it all the time you can't make chicken salad out of chicken poopy you know and yeah. so I was lucky I had great players and players that were committed to getting better and you know and that's easy you know it's easy when you have great players
0: that coming from Sonny Spira here with us this morning, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum and obviously uh, since his career at Syracuse has continued to excel and do great things for you know uh, upstate New York and, and obviously in Binghamton and you know through the dental industry and, and so much more and have always a- imparted your thoughts here on the show and been very real and honest and, and on, on any sport not just basketball. So to look at both pieces of it Uh, Syracuse football you and I have spoken about this Uh, I've had to talk about it this week I spent all of Monday discussing the woes of of Syracuse football right now because there are a lot of them and it unfortunately you know has led to that you never like to see the firing of anybody and it's led to the firing of Brian Ward who whose numbers you know and and I had uh, written a story about it talked about it today and earlier on in the week Of uh, Brian Ward's numbers being substantially worse the the longer he was a defensive coordinator in his career and the higher he went and obviously in Syracuse the worst numbers that that he had ever had giving up almost 40 points a game over 30 a game so he gets fired this 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 week over the weekend he gets fired and uh, I believe on Sunday and so we're sitting here today it's a bye week for Syracuse and Syracuse is three and six. The teams that they've defeated, Liberty has a better record at six and three. Western Michigan is bowl eligible, <clears throat> and they're uh, sick. They have six wins now. They lost to Syracuse. Holy Cross has got five wins. They lost to Syracuse. NC State, who defeated Syracuse, has had a very troublesome season. Uh, Pittsburgh is still vying for the opportunity to win the Coastal Division that Syracuse lost to. Florida State fired their coach. Syracuse lost to them. BC doesn't typically score close to sixty. That was a loss. Maryland is three and six, same record as Syracuse, and they blew Syracuse out by 43, and obviously Clemson does what they've done. So this has not been the season that I anticipated, fans anticipated. I thought six to eight wins with what they were losing and what they needed to build upon, but we stand here today with a three and six team that just fired their defensive coordinator, and now some people are looking at Dino saying, does this make sense? How do you gauge what's going on? And a lot of the fans are saying, take it off the players and put it on the coach. It's one of the most penalized teams in the nation. He hired Brian Ward. This is on Dino. He talked about a player publicly quitting, and that was kind of unsavory to some people. How do you look at the current situation? Because it seems like Syracuse's water got murky very, very quickly to having success.
1: I'm all in on Dino. Uh, simple as that I think he's a great coach and I think he's he's the right guy and I've said that and I'll say that again uh, publicly uh, I, I think he's the right guy now that said he's got to take some of the blame for sure uh, because of some of the things that have happened yeah. like the, 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 the penalties and the mental mistakes the, the, the lack of discipline at certain points in certain areas or what I look at is so, you know, I thought there was improvement. I thought there was, you know, you were seeing visible improvement. I don't think you see a lot of it, and that's hard because you want to see a team get better through the course of the year regardless of their record. Are they getting better? Are they playing better? And I think at times we're, we're not seeing that. and that's, that's hard. That's very frustrating, I'm sure, for all the fans. But, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, now you're going through, okay, now we've got a major change in, the, in our defensive coordinator What is is that going to mean? Well, it's going to mean it's going to be a little unsettling to some young men who have been used to and were recruited by and or mentored by that person. So no matter how good, how bad there's going to be some, some ripple effect across the team. Now it could be very positive. Uh, It could also be very negative. So, you know, that, that you have that to deal with. Um, The other part of it, you'd like to see them compete till the very last whistle. Now, not worry about the score per se, but you know, you're fighting for every inch, every down, every, every possession, um, sideline, you know, you name it, you got to win all these little mini battles around you and you, and you just hope, and I hope that we continue to see that in our kids. And I think we will, but it's hard when you see so many mistakes that you just think, why are we making these same mistakes? Why are we, you know offsides or you know procedure penalties or you know just you know silly um, unsportsmanlike penalties trash talking penalties I, to me I, there's no place for that in the game now I don't know that's frustration coming out I don't know I'm not going to make excuses but that's hard to that's hard to watch as a, as a player and as a, as a fan so hopefully they'll uh, they'll write that those things. And and I know Dino's a disciplined guy. So uh, I think he's pretty straightforward. It's black and white in his book. You know, there's not really a lot of gray areas. And I think he holds a very high standard and and I think he's probably more frustrated than anybody in in the fact that not seeing some of the things come to fruition that I think they're being taught, but you're not seeing the results of it. So that's hard.
0: Yeah. That coming from Sonny Spira here with us this morning on wake up call with Dan Tortora and you know, th- that's the difficult piece of this all is, is, you know, those penalties, self-inflicted wounds, you know, and, and self-inflicted wounds being the worst ones. And you see this, you know, level of frustration and detachment. I have always respected Dino's faith, belief without evidence. I haven't seen that that nature from him this season. And I parallel it to what's going on right now. And I wonder if he feels a sense of a loss of control or a detachment because it seems that way, at least with some players and with him sitting down and whatnot. I'm not used to him talking about a player publicly like he did with Ryan Alexander. Uh, When he said everybody's job is on the line uh, after the Pittsburgh game, you know, some people said I would have respected him if he said all of us, including me, including my coaches, but he just said the players. So, I mean, is there a sense from from your seat that maybe he's lost a little bit of control and that the frustration is visible because he's not having that passionate, let's have faith, let's have belief without evidence, let's talk about that. He's, he's not really showcasing that right now, which is what he did showcase when this team was struggling with four and eight records in the beginning.
1: Well, I, I think – you know when when the player quit when that when that whole thing went down. I saw that press conference. Yeah. Uh, I I he I, you know what did he say? What did he say? He Called the player. He said, "No, he quit. He hasn't spoken to me."
0: Yeah. He said he called no. the offensive line coach. He didn't call me.
1: Called his coach. Didn't call me. So, you know, probably disappointed in the young man for not 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 behaving a little more maturely. So, is is he? Did he call him out? I don't think he called him out. Like he didn't, he didn't blame him. He hasn't said he's the reason we're having problems in this area of our team. He didn't do that. He just said, this young man quit. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Really? He's not with us. He left. We're here. We do battle with the guys that are in the locker room. Right. And I don't, yeah, I don't take too, too, too much aside to that. You know, uh, either way, I don't think that was failing. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you can sense a little bit of the frustration, but I, I think he's—he's he's a, I think he's pretty even keel. I think, like I said, I think he has high expectations across the board. He knows what he wants to see and what he expects to see, and this has obviously fallen way below expectations. The problem this year was the expectations from everybody around. Yeah. Was was sky high. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, I thought the Maryland game was a tremendous blow and then I thought we came back and I thought we competed really well against Clemson. And I thought we saw some, to me, I thought we saw some tremendous improvements from the week prior. And, and then after that, it was almost like, okay, we lost kind of head hanging time. And then I just didn't see, just didn't see some of those improvements that you like to see continue. So, um, I don't, I don't, you know, your question is, you know, about Dino, uh, I, I think he's the right guy I'm all in on him I, I think he's handling himself fine I that's hard it's hard when when things are not going as you'd hoped or expected and and you know the discipline part of it you know um, is very hard because I think he's a very very disciplined guy have I mean, you never seen him scream you never seen him shout he always maintains his calm comments cool he talks to his players as he's going along you know a constant constant communication with his quarterback when he comes off the field and, and, you know he's not berating anybody. He's not belittling anybody. He's never embarrassing any players. Uh, I I think he's you know he's a great guy to play for.
0: You know, so I mean, and that's and, and that's Sonny Spears' opinion this morning at coming up with Dino Babers. You know, there's there's been the ups and the in the downs. I think I think there's you know I obviously think there's some issues. I think there's some there's some problems here and, and some things that need to get figured out. And unfortunately. There's only three games to go, which is the tough part. On the other side of it, for basketball, we've just begun. We've just started. Now, because the ACC has decided to expand to 18 games from 16 for the women's side and 20 from 18 for the men's side, the majority of your schedule, now, even more so now, is inside of your conference. And the ACC is, by far, from the men's basketball perspective, the toughest conference, I would say, in 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 all of college basketball, arguably from year to year, and so here's Virginia, the reigning national champion, a team that was tremendous last year, but they lost players, they lost some guys like you know like Kyle Guy and whatnot. They they lost some of their their fine players from last year, guys that I've had the uh, the opportunity to speak with over the past few seasons and whatnot that I respect tremendously. So you see, Syracuse have to start off their season with an ACC game against the defending national champions, who, albeit, don't have some of their guys like Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome, but they still have Mamadi Diakite, and they still, you know, they still have some players coming off their bench and, and things that they've been able to do and be successful with, and, and some of those names that you know people should still know and will become household names like like Momedy and what he's been able to do. So this is the first game you gotta play. The benefit of it, Virginia hasn't played anybody else. The downfall of it, it's Virginia, it's Tony Bennett. They always come ready to play. And so here we are with Syracuse at home, not starting off the season against Colgate or Bucknell or, you know, the Holy Family retreat center of East Syracuse, but they're playing Virginia what were your thoughts on the fact that, you know, Syracuse's team, first and foremost, before we even talk about the game, that this was their opening game this season, they can argue that they had the toughest game of anybody this year, but there were some really, really good games this week. What do you think about Syracuse having to open against Virginia?
1: Okay, well, who, who, who do you want to play? You want to play Carolina? You want to play Duke? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny because I joke with Coach Beheim. I said that to him. I said, "Virginia, Coach, that's a tough start." He goes, "Well, I guess it's a little better than Duke or Virginia, Duke or North Carolina." Kind of chuckled about it. His, his sense of humor. Yeah. That's true. You know, I mean, there's there's not an easy game. There's not an easy out. I mean, uh, I mean, I think the conference is loaded. I think it's the best basketball conference in the country, and it, it proves true. And, you know, teams don't teams don't. Uh, you know, rebuild. They just reload, and uh, that's what happens. And uh, you know, we have we we have well, we had two seniors in the backcourt. They're gone, so but but we're playing at home also, so that's a little plus. And we played we had a you know some games in in Italy and Europe where some other teams didn't have that, so we yeah. had the ability to you know make some things happen earlier or do some team things that I think should show and help us in the early going because we we got to find. You know, we, I think we got to find our way a little bit in terms of where everybody's spots are, I think. And I think the lineup's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. There might be some changes. You might see some different guys. Where's their roles? How are they fitting in? And, you know, in is not losing, not used to losing any games early on because they're not playing the tough as a competition. Yeah. So I think this just presents a different challenge. I think we got the best coach around to handle it. He's a Hall of Famer. Been there 44 years. You know, well over 1,000 wins. I mean... You know, just like with Dino, I mean, trust the man, let him do his job, I think we'll be fine, but, you know, it's a little disappointing at the end of the game, scoring, you know, 36, 34 points, what was it, 34?
0: It was 34, yeah. Yeah, 34,
1: tough to see that, but, you know, when you only have two points 10 minutes into the first half, 34 is really not that bad when you think about that part, (laughs) Yeah. but uh, it was a tough going game, it wasn't a well-played game on either, and both teams defensively were solid, Yeah. you know, and... They were just a little better than we were on the defensive end. So we held them to 48. So, you know, defensively, I think we'll be fine. I mean, he's proven that. It's offensively. we got to kind of find our way, and I think we got some great pieces. They got some great young players. And, again, is he going to play seven? Is he going to play eight? Is he going to play nine? I think that's the thing the coach has to find out, and that's what some of these early games are, to find out who can you count on, and things get a little shaky.
0: Yeah. So – you know, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, to take a to take a look at, you know, this game and to see it. Like you said, I mean, it's a great test for Syracuse because that's one of the knocks on Syracuse historically is they don't test themselves early. And you know, this is your first game. This is coming out of the gate after your two exhibition games. This is this is a big test. I called it a football game because it was forty-eight to thirty-four, and we know that Virginia is willing to hold you down defensively and can hold you down defensively. You know, uh, Butlers of old, you know, to hold you in the 50s and Virginia to keep you 60 or below. So, I mean, this was obviously a good game, but, you know, neither team shot well from three point. Syracuse was 17.2%. Virginia was 16%. But Virginia had 40% overall. So, you know, inside the arc, they were getting the job done and what they needed to do, where Syracuse was struggling inside the arc 23.6%. Bad shooting night. That's not going to happen forever. Elijah Hughes was 4 of 14. Buddy Bayheim was 3 of 12, Jalen Carey was 1 of 6, Marek Dolajai was 2 of 8, Quincy Garrier was 0 of 4, Joe Girard was 1 of 6. You know, that was kind of the perfect storm. So like you said, if you know, defensively, which Syracuse lacked in last year, if the defense is going to be stronger and if we can see consistency there, we're not going to see Knights, I would think where we're going to see Buddy 3-12, of 12, Elijah 4-14, you know, I mean, th- this was the perfect storm where five, six guys just couldn't get anything to go in the basket, and I don't think that that's something that we're going to see go throughout the season. So if this defense can be a positive to build upon from this low-scoring game against Virginia, knowing that Joe Girard will turn on, and Buddy will turn on, and the jitters for the freshman will go away, and this, that, and the other, then I think, you know, this could be a successful team because, if they were to get some of these shots to fall, we're talking about a, a different game. So I guess the positive I take away from this is I would expect these division one gentlemen to not have this bad of a shooting night consistently.
1: Oh, well, there's no question about it. And then they just gotta find find their rhythm and and the offense, you know, it's it's not a you know, it's not a cookie cutter offense that Syracuse runs. It's a very free, loose interpretation of what they can do and it allows guys to be very expressive in, in their game. so now it's finding that right mixture of when to do that you know when to pass when to go when to shoot when to go that kind of thing and, and you know hey virginia's a tough defensive team i, I can't remember last time i saw a division one team shoot you know make 34 points in the 40, 40 minute game yeah so well that's on virginia so you know give credit where credit is due i think we will be better And and no doubt about it, but we've got some things to work on for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's one game, fans. So everybody that said, oh, my God, football's over. Let's go to basketball. Oh, my God, basketball's over. I'm going to jump off a bridge. Let's all tailor it back here a little bit. Syracuse has a game coming up this coming Wednesday against Colgate. On November 13th, they'll face off against them at 7 p.m. in the Carrier Dome. And then they'll be at the Dome over the weekend against Seattle And then they'll be against Cornell, Bucknell, Oklahoma State, Iowa. All those games are at home until they go on the road at Georgia Tech and so on and so forth. So some good time games coming up, you know, and obviously we're going to get to see this team. We got to see the bench be uh, pretty much all the four out of five of the freshmen. John Bolzak didn't play in the game. But, you know, we got to see the everybody, you know, for the most part, get experience from the freshman class, which is good. And honestly, I think for now, like you said, how many is Jim going to play? I think Bayheim at the moment is going to potentially maybe do what he did in this game. If he was willing to do it against Virginia, I think he'll do it against Cornell and Colgate, is to let his bench be his newcomers and just see what they can do. Gerard played 22 minutes. Quincy played 13. I think that this is a nice litmus test to have all these games before you get into ACC play to really get a feel for who your guys are and get a feel for your starters and then mix and match as you see fit.
1: Yep, that's what's going to happen.
0: That coming from Sonny Spira. Clean as that, clear as day. Letter winner here. He's a very humble individual, but I'm going to congratulate you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully you and I can can catch up. I feel like it's been long overdue, and as always, I appreciate you being a part of the show.
1: Dan, thanks for everything, as always. Appreciate right. you.
0: I'll talk with you soon.
1: Take care. Take care.